There is a project afoot to save Tin Pan Alley, and one of the people leading the charge is George Calderaro, uh, who is here to talk about the Save Tin Pan Alley project, and, and I'm hoping share some of the wonderful, interesting uh, trivia factoids he knows about that era. Uh, for any listeners, and he'll probably say this better than me, but for any listeners who don't know, Tin Pan Alley is the famous street on West 28th where uh, pretty much the entire publishing industry of New York lived, and the songwriters gathered and wrote on pianos. And uh, George, I'm sure, can tell you a lot more about that. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Michael. Good. So um, we'll kind of do this in two steps. A brief thing about what your campaign is, then some, you know, some stories in Tin Pan Alley, and then we'll go more into depth about your campaign again after that. So I guess the first thing is, um, why, what's your campaign? Why yeah. save Tin Pan Alley? Why does it need right. saved? <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, Save Tin Pan Alley uh, was created um, as part of, by the 29th Street Neighborhood Association in New York City, on whose board I serve as uh, a project to extend the Madison Square North Historic District, which is a comprehensive uh, proposal to de uh, protect um, the, uh, the area that was really the center of New York City in the late 19th, early 20th centuries, where the theaters were, mm. where the big hotels were. It was where the action was. Madison Square Garden yeah. was, was right there. So we, over a period of many years, at least a decade, uh, had been proposing to, we need to really uh, appeal to the Landmarks Preservation Commission to preserve this truly distinctive piece of New York City and late 19th, early 20th century history and architecture. Within that context, uh, on 28th Street, between Broadway and 6th, was Tin Pan Alley, mm -hmm. where the, the cradle of the American, American songbook, the American publishing industry from specifically 1893, when the first uh, publisher, uh, Whitmark and Sons, moved there uh, through at least 1909, and some people say into the 50s. Is, uh, is, Whitmark, is Whitmark and Sons related to the Tams Whitmark that does all the musical theater publishing? Most likely. I'm I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure because they were there later uh, uh, bought up and subsumed like a lot of, of, of yeah. uh, sheet music publishers. So um, as uh, originally we saw this as part of a, a, an historic district, and we uh, appealed to the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission, which is an agency of the city which designates and protects um, historic districts and, and individual landmarks and interior landmarks and parks. Um, Tin Pan Alley is so important and so distinctive that we decided to pull that out of the larger proposal and say, all right, this needs to be an, uh, 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 an New York City historic district based on the cultural significance to the city, to New York, and to the world. So we are in the process of, uh, of appealing to the commission. We've had uh, meetings with the commission most recently uh, in late um, 2017. Uh, with their leadership, which continues to this day, as yes, yesterday, said we are seriously looking at a uh, Tin Pan Alley historic district. And it's a crucial moment just to get into the weeds about preservation yeah. a little bit, 
because the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commissioner is leaving in three weeks. Oh, so yeah. it's good. There's going to be a regime change. But um, uh, the, the staff, the director of research, the executive director and the other leadership will be there. And it's not like this proposal yeah. is going to disappear. And it has been on people's ra radar for decades. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners who aren't aware, I mean, and Tin Pan Alley is kind of Im impossible to disconnect from the development of the American musical theater um, in that time period as well. So... Well, that's why it's on 28th Street. Why uh, there there was a, 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 a nascent, or there were there was a, 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 a music industry, a song, a sheet music publishers on 14th Street, where the theaters had been located. But it was with Tin Pan Alley in the in again the 1890s that you saw Whitmark move, and shortly thereafter followed by other music publishers to yeah. serve the, um, the, the theaters and the, the vaudeville uh, houses that were all, um, you know, in, mm -hmm. in that area. So it cannot be disconnected. And that's, why they, the, that's what makes it so distinctive. For the first time, the publishers were going to the public and selling the sheet music to directly to performers, to agents, to, um, to, to vendors who took the music nationwide and sold it in uh, the hinterlands, if yeah. you will. I mean, I know you're from Well, Montana. I'm from the hinterlands. <laughs> so, so I have to tell you. No, I, I say that with all due respect, yeah. because it's important. Oh, that, no, it's that's, the hinterlands. That's why, that's why Tin Pan Alley is so significant, because it was mm -hmm. the first distribution center where the song pluggers, uh, you know, promoted the music to the industry and to the theater operators. And uh, that, that it's, it's, it's very much that disbursement that makes the significance. So before I get into details, so what do people need to do to help with this? Do they need to sign a petition, send money, yeah, or what everyone, do they? Everyone, <laughs> uh, I shouldn't say we don't need money. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we, we, this is a grassroots yeah. volunteer uh, organization. Um, if everyone should go to Save Tin Pan Alley and sign the petition. Well, SaveTinPanAlley.org. SaveTinPanAlley.org. And sign the petition, which will go to the chairman of the Landmarks Commission, to the deputy mayor, to the mayor, to the council people, um, and other elected officials who are, ma are making these decisions. I should say that we've got um, uh, about 20,000 uh, signatures, okay. but we need to keep up a steady yeah. drumbeat. Uh, Does it need to be all just New York residents, or can people no, from people, all over the world from come inside? All over the world, <laughs> and when you combine that with the larger Nomad, the Madison Square North proposal that I mentioned earlier, we've got 40,000 signatures, but we need to keep up the drumbeat. They need to hear uh, people on a regular basis say, this must be saved, because if you're familiar with the area, I mean, it's it's quickly being um, surrounded, if not buried, by uh, skyscraper, mostly hotels, because the area is is, is designated regulated for zoning for um, hotels and uh, and manufacturing. So it's really a miracle that that it even survives with the incredible development that's going on in New York City. We'll be right back to this interview after a brief word from our sponsors. Special thanks to our travel sponsor. Are you looking at majoring in theater for a career as a creative artist? I've created a program at the University of Providence in Montana that is designed to meet your goals. If you want to be an artist, you are an entrepreneur. And our BA in Theater and Business Arts is designed for you to learn essential business skills with classes specifically designed for theater artists. 
You'll also explore different artistic skills to help you develop your talents. And our productions are very student-driven, with a real focus on students creating their own work, so you know how to do that once you graduate. With a senior creative project of your choice and a business senior project of developing your own five-year business plan for your career, after graduation, you'll know exactly what your next steps are. UP also has some great programs like a four-year graduation guarantee and a student loan repayment assistance program. If you'd like to find out more, click on our sponsor link at broadwaybullet.com. Special thanks to our location sponsor. Writers need a full community of support in order to do their important work. That's where DGF steps in. The Dramatist Guild Foundation is a national charity that fuels the future of American theater by supporting playwrights, composers, lyricists, and book writers at all stages of their careers. They do this by sponsoring educational programs, providing emergency aid to writers in need, and offering a free rehearsal space where I recorded this episode. In April of this year, DGF launched its New Voices program, which brought trained teaching artists into fourth-grade classrooms. These artists led the students in the collaborative creation of their own plays, which were then performed for the school by professional actors. It is crucial that young students are given proper access and training in theater to share their stories and learn the power of their own voices. If you'd like to help support DGF in fostering the writers of tomorrow, please visit dgf.org and be sure to follow them on Twitter at dgfound. Now, back to our interview in progress. So, uh, tell us about some of the interesting, you know, I mean, I, I had a, the pleasure of taking a walking tour that uh, you had organized a, few, a couple days ago on the thing and, and heard some really wonderful, interesting things. And, you know, maybe, you know, share mm -hmm. a couple of interesting stories about, right. mm -hmm. about well, Tin Pan Alley, I mean, I guess the first thing is you were saying that it the publishing was really decentralized before that, not just in New York, but publishing houses were kind of all over. So this was right. also the start of the music industry. Of the, of the sheet music yeah. industry, and it's important yeah. to remember that's what, what we're talking about because there was a, a nascent, nascent uh, industry, but really if after it was after the Civil War that, that uh, pianos became affordable. People had to have them in their homes and hence created the market for, uh, for sheet music. And uh, I think the statistic is that by the end of the height of the Tin Pan Alley era in 1910, there were 20 million pieces of sheet music that were sold out of that street. So to just to, to, you know, yeah. to uh, address the, the, the preponderance. So it, it was there and that's where, where people came. And then it eventually moved with the, the development of radio and the phonograph and, uh, and then uh, some of the uh, the business, the sheet music publishers, and and related businesses like um, uh, the William Morris Agency was founded there as well. Because again, yeah. you had the talent right there. Uh, you also had uh, Thomas Edison was yeah. was on the block as well. Oh, really? Okay. Making yeah. films and yeah. filming them on the roof of uh, of the buildings of Twenty Eighth Street with the uh, I, I, I don't know how he kept the music. Yeah. Uh, out of the films, because uh, the name Tin Pan Alley, as you know, was uh, was uh, uh, developed by a, a journalist who says said, uh, you know, it sounds like a bunch of tin cans out here with all the pianos coming out of all of the music and all of the 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 music publishers um, there. And I think that's what's you know really where the um, you know the um, the the stories and the anecdotes uh, you know come out about the. Uh, 
the really aggressive song yeah. plug, plug, pluggers who uh, plugged the songs, hence, hence the term, and um, would, uh, you know, literally chase down uh, celebrities and stars and, and put the songs in front of them and practically kidnap them to listen, <laughs> listen to this music. And uh, some of these publishers include Irving Berlin, who, you know, at 16 years old uh, was uh, working as a song publish, a plugger in, uh, in, in Tin Pan Alley. And then you also have, you know, uh, uh, George M. Cohan and uh, George Gershwin, uh, yeah. Working there, just to name a couple yeah. of uh, of uh, of the uh, personalities uh, who were who were there, and these people would uh, literally um, they would uh, songwriters would go to Tin Pan Alley, and um, the and they were cheek by jowl in, in various um, uh, row houses on Twenty Eighth Street that were originally built mm. in eighteen fifty three. Just to, to give yeah. some context, they were built as Italianate mansions. In the mid 1850s, and but quickly by the 1890s, they, as as New York City moved mm -hmm. uptown, they became commercial and became a home to not just music publishers but betting parlors, sports uh, 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 pool halls, because mm -hmm. uh, we're we're now in the tender adjacent yeah. to the tenderloin as well, yeah. and as often happens, as happened with Times Square subsequently, the um, the red light district. Somehow was yeah. near the theater, near the the sporting district. Oh, the, where there's artists, there's <laughs> decadence. Right. <laughs> followed followed quickly by uh, luxury housing yeah. and high price real estate. It's also the uh, the first uh, gay bath mm -hmm. is said to be on Twenty Eighth Street uh, there. So you had all sorts of of uh, of activity. It was the entertainment district of New York City in all of its wonderful manifestations. <laughs> uh, so you would have the, the song, um, uh, the, the, the songwriters going up and down the steps and they would also, uh, uh, of these row houses which were attached, and literally they would cross over the roofs and go, go up one building and yeah. then cross over and go down the other to, uh, to uh, sell their songs and really create this, this contagious, you know, atmosphere. Now, uh, during the tour, uh, there were a couple tales of some really outrageous stunts that the song pluggers pulled, which makes you think, you know, nothing ever changed in this business. Now we got YouTube and publicity stunts, but back then they did some crazy things, too, to get their songs out there. Do you, do you have a couple of those you can... I... Miriam gave the tour, yeah. as you recall, Michael. I'm... Uh, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, more the, uh, the, the preservationist <laughs> in, in, in the room, but I, who recognizes the the value of the 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 district um the um i mean i do know that the the um you know the tradition uh continued with artists and uh, and publishers right up until bob dylan lived yeah. on tin pan alley at zero mostel zero yeah. mostel's son just moved from there so so the uh the oh he was the, holding on to that rent control yeah, apartment right, huh? right. <laughs> exactly um but in I think you'd have to refer yeah. to Miriam for the uh, the, the the anecdotes. <laughs> so so how um, how has the trajectory been of building up support for uh, for this? Um, it you know it, it since the um, the Landmarks Commission is a city agency, uh, it's 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 dictated by the whims of the mayor mm -hmm. of New York City, and 
and uh, there are, um, you know, some perhaps more conspiratorial types <laughs> who, who say that, you know, this mayor is, uh, is, is, is too sympathetic uh, to developers for mm-hmm. whatever reason, of tax base, uh, whatever reason um, they might have. And uh, uh, so the, um, the, the current commission... Uh, under the de Blasio administration, whether it's through our efforts or or just the 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 um, the relentless uh, mm-hmm. advocacy for Tin Pan Alley from our quarters and 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 globally um, has has created the atmosphere where the commission is listening. I should also say mm-hmm. that uh, all of the elected officials in the um, in the area are supportive. Uh, Councilman mm-hmm. Corey Johnson, who is now the New York City uh, uh, City Council Speaker. Um, is uh, is an enthusiastic uh, uh, supporter. The senator, um, both senators uh, in in the area um, are supportive, as well as um, the Victorian Society of New York, the Historic Districts Council, mm-hmm. on both of whose board I serve, and among other preservation organizations. So we've been, uh, um, again, we're all volunteers, so been um, receiving endorsements from ASCAP, from the Songwriters Hall of Fame, from Michael Feinstein, mm-hmm. who is actually building a museum in the aforementioned hinterlands <laughs> uh, of the American Songbook, which will include a Tin Pan Alley wing or room or gallery mm-hmm. or exhibit. And what we say to Michael is like, that's great, but we've got the real thing <laughs> right here. We've got the very place where all of this American cultural and music history took place. So a museum is great. But uh, let's let's also preserve uh, the, the the place where it happened. So, have you always been an enthusiast of this era, or did this come to your attention? How did you get involved with uh, the group? Uh, as I said, I'm a, I'm a, a long time uh, uh, preservationist, uh, and I used to work for the Landmarks Commission. And um, no, it actually when I moved to Twenty uh, Eighth Street, and not on. Tin Pan Alley. I don't live near there because I, I, I think it's important to note that this is not NIMBY. I'm not. I'm not doing this to, um, you know, keep some skyscraper from being built in my backyard. I don't yeah. live there. Uh, uh, but when I, it, as, as it happened to me, as it's happened to thousands of other people, when they realized the value and uh, the utter distinctiveness of of this piece of American history that it, it needed to be, be preserved. That said, yeah. I am a, a, a Broadway fan. I'm mm-hmm. seeing Hello, Dolly! for the sixth time tonight. <laughs> uh, and uh, My Fair Lady on Saturday, and a Jerry Herman uh, 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 concert on uh, uh, Tuesday, and Rebecca Luker concert tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca has been a great supporter. The great Broadway mm-hmm. star Rebecca Luker yeah. has been a great supporter and advocate. So we've been gradually trying to... Um, uh, you know, and gender support, especially mm. among your lists, people like your listeners, yeah. people who are passionate about the theater and, and can really advocate um, and support it. Yeah. So what, you know, like I said, a lot of noise coming out, but, you know, if if one of our listeners lived in the area of Tin Pan Alley and, and walked down, what what can they, what would they have expected to be seeing, hearing, taking in? Well, it was people um, on the streets, uh, you know. Uh, so one story that uh, uh, um, was uh, the um, author, and maybe you remember his name, but uh, he went to um, Madison, had a song called uh, um, 
uh, I just want to sleep. <laughs> and yeah. so to promote the song, he went to Madison Square Garden, which I think held something like 25,000 people, <laughs> and uh, positioned himself in the balcony with a buddy, with yeah. a conspirator, and uh, uh, periodically uh, he feigned sleeping, and his buddy would say, wake up, wake up, wake up. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the composer would say, I just want to sleep, I just want to sleep, and, and basically annoyed the 15,000 to 20,000 people who were in the audience to the point where this guy was being kicked out. And while he, after he had the attention of everyone in Madison Square Garden, then broke into his song saying, I just want to sleep. And, and the song became, became a hit. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, that was um, one of the stories. Yeah, the yeah. stories were So, um, you know, you had, you had hijinks and, and tactics like that. And again, uh, people who were, you know, on the streets, in the windows, Playing their songs, and they, in fact, um, uh, they would uh, put pieces of paper uh, in the piano uh, behind, uh, so that um, uh, other artists wouldn't steal their their their, yeah. their theme, so they could, uh, you know, play it. But it would have this tinny sound, hence uh, hence uh, Tin Pan Alley. And then you also had ancillary industries, like the, this is where the uh, the flower district was. Because again, you had all the hotels, mm -hmm. you had people sending flowers to stars on their mm -hmm. opening night, you had telegram companies, you had William Morris, and then you had um, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the Clipper was uh, the, the, the major, if not the first, entertainment newspaper, which was right there in Tin Pan Alley, I think at number 47, uh, West 28th Street, which um, it was an entertainment and sports journal. And which subsequently became um, a, a Variety. Variety oh, yeah. bought it in the yeah. same way that uh, that music publishers yeah. were purchased by others. And I think I mentioned William Morris okay, yeah. also was there right on the street as well. And uh, so there were talent agents as well. So it was any kind of related, you know, activity. And then I'm sure, you know, uh, uh, prostitutes yeah. and, uh, and uh, gambling men and yeah. gambling parlors. And the p police were... You know, frequently raiding some of the the, the gambling parlors, parlors on in Tim yeah. Alley, but also all around uh, uh, the Tenderloin. Yeah, w one thing that she was talking about that I found really interesting as a as a writer myself too is all the preparation Miriam was talking about that they would do. You know, to to prep a song that they would not only put out the piano sheet music, you know, for the general public, but they would have a staff of arrangers and stuff working mm -hmm. on like. You know, a thirteen-piece band arrangement that could be sent to band halls. Right. You know, tra having it transposed pre in advance in different keys for have alternate words for male or female singers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, just all the kind of background scenario they would do to right. And they were all right them. there on staff. Yeah. So let's say you were looking for a song for yourself or for mm -hmm. for your client, and you. Uh, you know, needed it in a different key, but they would always, yeah. uh, primarily what they would sell was the, 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 the um, economy version, yeah. the, the pared down yeah. version that could subsequently be em embellished right there on yeah. the spot or, or wherever it eventually uh, found its home. They would also, uh, you know, sell the same song to different publishers yeah. uh, as, as well. So there was, uh, you know, ev everyone wasn't uh, uh, unique. I should also mention that um, it was a diverse 
um, uh, a population. So um, you had African American publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had many people who were who were uh, um, uh, 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 writing and developing and promulgating uh, spirituals or spiritual influenced music. As you know, in that yeah. period, it was it was really a melting pot. You even had uh, so you had you had African Americans, you had Jewish, you had women composers. So it was really you know first. Um, you know, melting pot or one uh, iteration of uh, the melting pot. And ragtime also really sprang out. Alexander's ragtime band was yeah. was uh, written at uh, uh, Tin Pan Alley, as was uh, "Take Me Out Out to the Ball Game." Yeah, which was by, which was written uh, uh, by someone who uh, had never been to a ball game. Yeah. I think he went to a, his first ball game uh, two decades after uh, <laughs> writing the, the, the song, or likewise, yeah, My Old yeah. Kentucky Home, or, or uh, uh, this, uh, a New Hampshire yeah. theme song, which was eventually developed as the state song for New Hampshire, was written by a composer who had never been to yeah. New Hampshire. Yeah, and the guy who wrote Take Me Out of the Ball Game, I, I forget the name of it, but yeah. she was talking about how it was two brothers who were in one house, right. and then the one brother basically moved to compete and moved across the street. You know, right, and, and, yeah, so the, and the one brother had, didn't have much success, yeah. and his brother goes across the street and writes Take Me Out to the Ball Game and becomes an instant, instant hit that we all know and yeah. love. And I think it's important to know that a lot of the songs you know, we're talking about like "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" and Alexander's Ragtime Band are, are things that uh, people, you know, in 2018 can you know know by heart, and these are young people, yeah. you know. So it's, it's so I think that's a further testament to the import and legacy of Tin Pan Alley. So is there, on the tinpanalley.org site, is there also kind of a lot of history on there and photos yeah, and yeah, things there, that people there's, can... Yeah, there's, there's history, there's resources, there are photographs, um, and, uh, but the most important thing is, for us is the, uh, are the, uh, um, is the petition and, and that it's an advocacy site. Yeah, because you got to get involved. And we got a lot of listeners who are into this, so that takes two minutes or less to go there. <laughs> and, and contact yeah. us, yeah, and, and, and let us know if you've got ideas or want to help, or uh, uh, you know, want in addition to signing the petition, mm. uh, uh, you know, want to send a, a, a letter to any of these people. You can contact us, and we'd love to work with you. Yeah, what what are things that volunteers in in New York City can do to actually get involved beyond just signing a petition? Well, they can contact their council people. I mean, because even though we're in one council district, you know, the the city council has thirty one council members, and yeah. they all have a say, and they could, you know, say, hey, Corey, Corey, about Corey Johnson, you know, what's going on with Tim Pan Alley? I've got, my phone is ringing off the hook, where, you know, wherever they are. Does it, they, if, it helps if they live in New York City, but, uh, you know, they could contact the mayor. They can contact anyone the mayor knows, um, and especially, you know, if anyone knows Harry Belafonte, he's a friend of the mayor's who could pick up the phone and, and make a difference. Cynthia Nixon, um, you know, but people specifically in uh, in the music industry where we're we're going after now the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, mm-hmm. places like that that have a local 802, the musicians union, mm-hmm. people that pe- people and organizations that have a, that represent um, large groups uh, will be very helpful. Yeah, because I mean, not just music, but and uh, yeah, it makes sense because entertainment is such a large part of. New York's image to the world, you know, <laughs> right? Not, yeah, not I know. just the U.S. But, I, you know. uh, for, I was trying to get uh, a, a plug, if you excuse the expression, on the Grammys 
because it's that when uh, I wrote to the commissioner of the uh, 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 Media and Entertainment Commission and said, uh, uh, it's great, congratulations, you got the Grammys to come back to New York, where the yeah. American music industry, popular music industry was created. Yeah. You know, can, 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 can they reference that or can someone? And I didn't have much luck getting on the Grammys, but uh, it's that sort of, uh, of uh, um, presence that I think we, we need and not have it be forgotten. Because there are a lot of people who around New York City who want to protect their, their, their built and cultural heritage. So it's competitive. It's not that there's, there's no limit on the number of historic districts that can be designated, but um, uh, we, we want to rise to the top. What would you say to the naysayer who says, oh, we have so many historic districts and you know, regulations, that's just too many things, we're preventing progress. On the, on the flip side, what would you say to somebody who's not sitting here very sympathetic to your cause? I think that anyone who um, uh, loves music or has ever listened to music and uh, uh, can, can uh, quickly uh, surmise the, the significance, as I said, to New York City, to American, to world history, We've got, uh, you know, there's a there's a Tin Pan Alley um, in London. Uh, my uh, one of my favorite restaurants in Provincetown. It's called mm -hmm. Tin Pan Alley. This mm -hmm. is part. It's it's woven in into uh, American history, and it is is it's truly what the Landmarks Law was created for in 1965 to to uh, you know uh, protect the uh, not just the architectural uh, but the historical and cultural significance of, of, of the city and, uh, and in this case, the country. Yeah. And I think for those who are politically or business-minded out there listening, I think in general, the entertainment industry always suffers from being like about 20 years behind the curve in kind of technology and lobbying and, and politics and realizing they've got something to save or, you know, get ahead. So I think for those listeners out there who you know, are more the I imagine that a, a social media expert would be a really good volunteer to get involved with. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and yeah. Uh, and have you put your pictures from the tour on Instagram? Yet, uh, I'll, I'll put it. Well, uh, I will put them up with yeah, uh, yeah. with this. You know, yeah, yeah. and uh, but you think about uh, you know, uh, 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 music is so important to so many people's lives. Um, you know. Uh, you think Graceland, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's a that's a, a landmark to so many people. The Liberace Museum, rest in peace, was, you know, as well. So it Paisley Park by Prince. Right, exactly. Or the Louis in, right here in New York City. The Louis Armstrong House is a designated New York City landmark. And that's not based on any architectural mm. significance. It's a mundane, yeah. you know, uh, uh, house in Queens. Uh, but... Uh, the commission recognized the cultural significance of Louis Armstrong. So you said this. Is, so you said this has been going on a while. What is so hard about this process to to get it done? Why isn't this just done already? Um, yeah. What is the political opposition, or why hasn't this come to a voter? You know, it's a perception of uh, of, uh, of uh, stifling development. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing, but because it because. Tin Pan Alley is so centrally located on 28th mm. Street and proximate to uh, transportation. Yeah. Penn Station, love it or hate it, is, yeah. is, is right there. And there are, there are various um, subway lines. And this is a very valuable um, piece of, uh, uh, of, uh, of real estate being quickly subsumed 
by um, by by skyscraper towers, as you saw. And um, the uh, although the landmarks law uh, specifically does not require owner approval, the current administration and probably previous administrations at the Landmarks Commission does seek owner approval because they don't want to designate something and then have it be turned back by the New York City Council because of owner opposition, um, and which then in turn uh, hurts uh, the law. The integrity yeah. of the law. If if landmarks are going to be start being turned back, so they really want to make an airtight case. But again, they have uh, the um, uh, landmarks commission has been researching this supposedly for decades. But yeah, then the staff changes and yeah. Sheila moves, and then they move offices, and I'm not sure where it is. Although I was interested to read just this week that uh, there's a lot of uh, 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 Tin Pan Alley research, indeed a lot of sheet music which is um, at the Landmarks Commission because the Brill Building was designated, it was the six, the Brill Building on Broadway where Carol King and all of these 50s uh, songwriters uh, 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 worked and wrote, um, was uh, designated a landmark. So in that process, they discovered and came upon all of this Tin Pan Alley research. So they know about it. Yeah. We, we just have to keep making the case but again i i, I think we're we're uh having uh we've got some momentum and we welcome all and more of it all right well i thank you so much for coming on and talking about this project i hope our listeners go to tinpanalley.org sign that petition save tinpanalley well but save tinpanalley project and then it's tinpanalley.org though save tinpanalley oh it's save tinpanalley.org okay yeah so yeah and and sign up and find out all the all the more information that they can get on there. And be in touch with me. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael.